The eyewitness account I'll be sharing from today is from Matthew chapter 18. And it's a story Jesus shares about a king and a debtor and forgiveness. So as we begin, I just want to ask you where you are at with forgiveness in your life. How are you feeling? What, what maybe have you brought into this space with you today, into this time of being together? Where are you struggling? Where, where, where are you challenged? With a spouse? With a child? With a dog that won't go outside? You're struggling with, with a coworker? Somebody from the neighborhood, or maybe somebody you go to church with. In terms of forgiveness, where is your heart today? Is it leaning more towards kindness and hope, or is it leaning toward the side of of bitterness and angst and maybe even vengeance? We all struggle in this area. Because things happen to us in life where we're called to wrestle with forgiveness. And the wrestling is because we often don't want to. (laughs) But somewhere along the way, we learn that forgiveness has a value all its own. But I'll ask you this morning, in, in terms of forgiveness, are you more... Miyagi-Do or Cobra Kai? (laughs) And if you are unfamiliar, uh, the movie Karate Kid came out in 1984, and it featured uh, none other than uh, Johnny Lawrence from Cobra Kai and Daniel LaRusso from the Miyagi-Do. Now, Mr. Kreese was Johnny Lawrence's sensei. Mr. Miyagi was Daniel LaRusso's. And at the All-Valley Tournament, you know, right? (laughs) Never had a single moment of karate lesson in my life. But I want to do a little test this morning. Let's find out where our heart is before we jump into the scripture about karate. Are are you more Miyagi-Do? Are you leaning that way? Are you leaning towards Cobra Kai? See, Miyagi-Do's rule rule number one is this, karate for defense only. Rule number two, first learn rule number one. In Cobra Kai, the rule is strike hard, strike fast, no mercy. Where are you? In Miyagi-Do, never put passion in front of principle. Even if you win, you lose. Cobra Kai, an enemy deserves no mercy. Right? Miyagi-Do, it's okay to lose to the opponent. It's never okay to lose to fear. Cobra Kai, war never ends. Peace is just the lull between the battles. And then there are some lighter, harder moments, light-hearted moments with Mr. Miyagi, and some uh, Sensei Kreese is never light-hearted. But but Mr. Miyagi shares things like a man who catch fly with chopstick can accomplish anything. Oh, that's true, don't you think? And of course, there's wax on, wax off, right? And, and then one of my favorites is this. 
his advice to Daniel LaRusso was this, use head for something other than target. <laughs> Mr. Miyagi had good advice. On the other side was the always serious, always angry, always bitter Sensei Kreese. He said, we do not train to be merciful here. Mercy is for the weak. Fear does not exist in this dojo. Pain does not exist in this dojo. Defeat does not exist in this dojo. Well, which dojo do you think Jesus would have been part of? Now, I'm pretty certain that Jesus was never taught karate, but if it was available, I think he would have chosen Miyagi-Do. In fact, this profound statement from Mr. Miyagi introduces Jesus' teaching on forgiveness today. For man with no forgiveness in heart, living worse death, worse punishment than death. For man with no forgiveness in heart, living worse punishment than death. Hey, my name is Ben Cathy, and I have the privilege of being the executive pastor at Mountaintop Church, which means I do a lot of things. Nobody knows what I do, but it's all executive. <laughs> I want to thank you for uh, joining us today, especially if you're joining us online today. Maybe you're out of town on spring break. Thanks for joining in. Well, the core teaching that Jesus teaches us today is this. Forgiveness does not stop with me. Forgiveness does not stop with me. In fact, if we look in a place in Matthew 6 where Jesus taught us to pray, uh, we refer to this passage as the Lord's Prayer, and, and maybe you know it or have recited it, and it's often recited at, at funerals and uh, sometimes at different kinds of church services. But right in the middle of this prayer... This may be a little familiar to it. It says, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And if you've encountered that prayer, maybe like me, you've had just little pause in the back of your brain. As we forgive, forgive us as we forgive others. Is that how it works, Lord? Well, right after that, Jesus gets really explicit, and the answer is categorically, yes. Hear the words of Jesus. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. I just want to invite you to look at your neighbor right now and go, oh, goodness. That one's not easy, is it? Well, the wonderful thing about Jesus in the words of Jesus is that Jesus never stepped back from the truth. Even when initially we might not quite understand how it works. See, Matthew 18 paints a vivid picture of how forgiveness works and why it is so important. And remember, forgiveness does not stop with me.
See, the first two verses um, of, of the story are probably the most familiar of it. And, and they set a, a deeper meaning to the story to follow. You see, a, a parable, as we call it, is, is just a story that exposes a spiritual truth. And it starts this way, Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to him, Jesus, and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Now, let me say that Peter was doing a pretty noble thing here. In his culture, in his Jewish understanding, he was called to forgive someone four times. I'm not sure exactly why, to be honest. Maybe it's three strikes, you're out, and we go the extra mile. So four times. So when Peter came with seven, he was like, wow, Jesus, I'm, I'm on the path here to peace. We also recognize that in um, ancient times, the number seven was a, a number of wholeness and fullness. And, and so Peter presented this number seven and said, Jesus, is that the answer? And Jesus responded, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. So what Jesus told us was this, right? If somebody wrongs you, you need to forgive them. And then for 490 times, you need to put a little check mark down. And you need to forgive them 490 times. But on that day, when the 491st time comes, oh, goodness, I can get that person, right? That's not what Jesus is talking about, is he? Jesus' extreme math here is telling us that forgiveness is unlimited. There's no end to it. It's the position of God's heart. It's the position of our heart. But let's stop for a moment before we look at the rest of the parable. I want to share a couple of important things. The first one about forgiveness is this. Forgiveness never equals continued harm. The fact that we are called to forgive someone doesn't mean that we need to allow them to continue to harm us in any way. In fact... We may even be part of a court case with this person because they haven't received justice, yet we're still called to forgive them. Rule number one, karate for defense only. The, the second thing is this. Forgiveness does not have to equal reconciliation. We need forgiveness in our life even if there's no hope of reconciling the relationship. Now, often forgiveness is the road to reconciliation. I forgive you, you forgive me, we had a misunderstanding, we worked it out, I was wrong, I will do my best not to do that again, and we reconcile, but sometimes it just can't happen. Because you know, if somebody's wronged us and they've died, we still need to forgive them. If somebody's wronged us and they won't admit it, we're still called to forgive them. But it may not equal reconciliation of the relationship. The last thing is this. 
Forgiveness always equals freedom. One of the best illustrations I can share with how unforgiveness works and, and how it can ramble around in our heart and our life came from a, 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 an outdoor cafe. I love a good outdoor cafe, don't you? And a man who came up to the outdoor cafe and had a big dog, a big 100-pound dog, and, and, and tied the dog's leash to the little table they were sitting at and pulled his chair back and was sitting at the table. And wouldn't you know it, right in the middle of the meal, a cat comes running by, and this dog runs after the cat. The cat speeds up the tables, following the dog, 12 feet behind the dog. And, and at first the table hits one car, and then the dog runs out in the traffic and hits another car as it slams on its brake, runs across the road and hits another car, until finally the dog gets to the lawn across the street and gets stuck in some bushes. But along the way, the dog had pulled the table into three different cars and done damage to the exterior, and the insurance company had to be called. That's not my dog. I don't know whose dog that is, right? That's the way unforgiveness can work in our life. We're chasing our own idea of justice. We're chasing maybe vengeance, and we pull this thing around with us that ends up doing harm to innocent people who had nothing to do with it. Well, we jump into the story from Jesus. There are a couple of characters. The first one is the king. And the king in this story had, had authority. He had, had absolute authority. He was a king. And at some point, the king says, hey, I have a lot of debts out. I think I'm going to call in my debts. I'm going to get the people who owe me money to come in, and I'm going to settle my accounts with them. And one particular uh, servant of the king owed lots and lots of money. This person owed so much money, I, I, I likened them to a, a prince or an oligarch of some kind. I mean, they, they had to be high up in the, in, the, in the order of things because they owed the king 10,000 talents. Now, that means absolutely nothing to us, right? It was about equal to 200,000 days of wages or 534 years of work. It was a lot of money. Well, the debtor didn't have it. At least he didn't have all of it. He couldn't repay his debt, so he begged the king, King, please be patient with me. I will work hard and repay everything. I would. Please be patient with you. And the king, with great mercy, forgave this debtor his great debt. Now, in the first part of this parable, Jesus, Jesus is telling us that God's capacity to forgive is very great. He's also telling us that our need for forgiveness is also very great. And don't miss that this eyewitness account is from Matthew. 
a tax collector called by Jesus to follow him. Matthew, the one who worked for the occupying Roman government against his own people, the Jews. Matthew, who got a tax order from Caesar and then became rich because he added a little bit of margin to it from his own people who were already suffering and said, Caesar needs 20%, I'll take 25 so I can be rich. And Matthew betrayed his own people and he lived off the backs of simple people around him. And Jesus calls him to follow In fact, there's a special category for Matthew in the Bible. Often, if you read through Scripture, it says sinners and tax collectors. It's like they were their own category. That was Matthew. Well, when I humbly trust Jesus, God forgives God forgives me of my, sets me free of, just like this debtor who owed so much money. Every time I'm, I'm rude <laughs> to a waitress or a clerk or somebody driving down the road, I can be forgiven in Jesus. Every time I've told gross, objectifying, cringeworthy jokes, I can be forgiven because of Jesus. Every time I've erased my browsing history, I can be forgiven because of Jesus. Every time I've been a bully, every time I've yelled, every time I've slammed doors and been incredibly mean, forgiven every time I've coveted my neighbor's wife, my neighbor's husband, my neighbor's yard, my neighbor's boat, my neighbor's car, my neighbor's kid, my neighbor's vacation, I can be forgiven every time. I've told a small lie every time I've told a bold-faced, intentional lie. Every time I've done harm to another human being. Every time I've been angry, violent, insensitive, unfair, arrogant, selfish, gluttonous, greedy, lustful, deceitful, overbearing, sexist, racist, xenophobic, or hateful in any way. I can be forgiven because of the goodness and grace of Jesus. In fact, there are a whole lot of other words I can add to that list that would make me and you uncomfortable today. And even in those places, I can be forgiven. This forgiveness is deep. And it's beyond our understanding or ability. And it comes because of God's love for us. Because God wants us to be free from what sin destroys in our life. It comes because of the gift and sacrifice of Jesus. It comes because I humbly trust Jesus with my life for the forgiveness of my sins. And before we move to the next part in the story, I, I just want to say if there's a, any doubt in your life that your sins have been forgiven by Jesus, you can settle that issue today. In fact, Jesus has been waiting for all of eternity for you to take that step forward and settle that issue. He wants us to be free. Of course, there are pastors and staff. There are also wonderful folks, the neighbor you came with who have been on the journey, who can help you take that step forward today. Now, the second part 
of this parable has to do with the forgiven debtor. And the forgiven debtor, I just told you, was forgiven a great debt, right? Much like you and I, if we've experienced the forgiveness of Jesus. And he decided, after the king forgave him, to call in his debts. And so there was a fellow servant who owed him a a certain amount of money, something equal to less than one one one-thousandth of what he was just forgiven for. And the scene played itself out again. This fellow servant came to him and he begged. He, he, He begged. He said, please have patience on me. I don't have that much money right now, but have patience with me and I will repay you. And this person who had just been forgiven, instead of passing along that grace, instead of passing along that forgiveness, he executed what he had the legal right to execute, and he had that lesser servant thrown into jail because of his debt. He had him punished because of his debt. In so many ways, he took the goodness and grace that the king had given him and then turned and did damage to it and abused it and hurt the reputation of the king. Because what kind of king would forgive a man like that? Does it make you angry? What well, made the people in, in, in that time angry. In fact, it says that the servants uh, who heard that this had happened went back and they got word back to the king. Hey, that guy you forgave all that money, he went and he had somebody who owed him just a little bit thrown into jail. And you know what happened with the king? It made him angry too. And here's toward the end of this parable. It says, then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil Servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Don't miss the depth of this forgiveness. Mercy means something. It's very intentional right here. Mercy is when I have the authority and the right to administer a punishment and I choose not to. You see, we don't forgive because we are powerless. We we, we forgive because God's forgiveness gives us the power to forgive somebody else. We forgive because our thankfulness for God's forgiveness means that we can't help but give this amazing gift to somebody else. And the thing the king was angry about was the fact that this servant didn't share the forgiveness that he had received. Now the story ends in an unpleasant way. Jesus tells us that 
the angry king. And different translations uh, say it differently in English. Some say he sent this man to prison. Some say he sent this man to prison to be tortured. Some say he had this man sent where he would have the screws put to him. But I leaned into the King James Version this week because I felt like maybe it said it best. It said that the king delivered him to his tormentors. The point. When forgiveness ends with me, and then I don't turn and forgive others, my unforgiveness torments me like prison, like torture, like a cafe table I carry around with me everywhere I go. I think Mr. Miyagi was right. For man with no forgiveness in heart, living worse punishment than death. I want to close with a little, little bit of my own story in this area. My story of torment and forgiveness. Uh, several years ago, uh, a man uh, harmed one of my children by offering him things that were both immoral and illegal. And this man told me that there was nothing I could do to stop him. You angry yet? <laughs> I lost sleep worrying about my child and filling my head and heart with rage for this person. I'll never forget one Sunday preaching after not sleeping a wink on Saturday night. Well, a couple of weeks after this man told me I couldn't do anything about it, I saw him at Walmart. And I, to be transparent, the only image in my head was of ramming my buggy into his back and then going all Jack Reacher on him. All right. Even though I can only do Jack Black, I was thinking about going Jack Reacher on him. And then I, I came to my senses and I thought, man, there's cameras in here. I can't, I can't, I can't go on him right now. This pastor's about to go viral for beating up people at Walmart, right? I'm going to get on that website, people of Walmart, <laughs> pastors of Walmart, right? Well, it was maybe a month after that. I was still wrestling with that anger, that rage. And I was out running on a trail, that paved trail that went through the woods. And I thought up in the distance that I saw this man. He was out for a walk. And I got to tell you that my initial response was to run toward this guy with this thought, there's no cameras in the woods. You got it coming to you right now, buddy. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> I knew 
when I spent 10 yards too long running toward a stranger in the woods with rage in my heart that I had to do something about my soul. And the thing that I had to do surprised me. You see, I had become Cobra Kai. Strike hard, strike first, no mercy. And I needed some Miyagi-Do in my life. I was full of angst and vengeance. Kindness and hope for this man were far from my soul. Unforgiveness was tormenting me. And as Elizabeth Johnson says, a world without forgiveness is a world of relational wreckage. The opposite of the wholeness and fullness of life God intends for us. A world without forgiveness is a world of torment, living constantly in an emotional prison with no freedom. Here's what I had to do. I had to trust God. Really, pastor? Well, I found myself, you know, you know how you have, you, you have those signs that have sort of uh, made out of barn wood and they have calligraphy writing on them that, that, that give us like a Bible verse or a wise saying? Well, I, I never actually got this sign, but in my heart and mind, I had to put this sign on my wall for a little while. It, it was uh, the sign that would come from uh, Romans 12, 19. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I mean, we talk about leaving into God's promises, right? Well, that's one of God's promises. And in this case, that's the promise that I needed to lean into. I had to trust that God's justice was more creative, that God's love was more expansive than anything I can understand. And, and my job was to follow and trust the God who had forgiven me. This image helped me greatly. You may, you may have heard the name Corey Tinboon before. She helped Jewish people escape um, Hitler and SS soldiers during World War II. And she was betrayed by her neighbors, and her whole family was arrested and sent to a, a, a German concentration camp where she had no clothes, where she had very little food, where she feared for her life every day. Years later, she came face to face with one of the prison guards at that prison camp. He didn't remember her, but she sure enough remembered him. And she struggled, like I did, worse, full of rage. And she sought some wise counsel from a Christian friend, and her friend gave her this image. This is unforgiveness is like clanging a bell in a bell tower. You have a hold of the rope, and you keep pulling on the bell, and it clangs around in your soul. Says, but forgiveness ultimately is an act of the will. It's an act of trusting God. And there comes a day when you need to let go of the rope and you need to trust God 
with that person. But make no mistake, that bell will keep ringing after you let go of the rope. Ding, dong, ding, dong, ding, dong. Until it dissipates and finally fades. And I got to tell you, in my own life, even in preparing for this sermon, as I've thought through the ways that I've been offended in my life and needed to extend forgiveness, sometimes the wind blows and you can hear this faint echo of that bell. And once again, you have to say, God, your justice is more creative and your love is more expansive than anything I'll understand. I'm going to trust you in the words of Jesus that I need to forgive. Corey Timboon told us that forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, the one who saved my soul from the power of sin and death, told me to forgive not seven times, not 490 times, but just to forgive. Jesus is not inviting us into continued harm. He's inviting us into freedom. God is inviting us to use the grace we have been given to extend forgiveness and bring his fullness and his beauty into this world. And God wants to release us from being tormented by the unforgiveness that we drag around with us. And so I just want to invite us today. I don't know what you came in the room with. You, you may have come in the room uh, full of kindness and hope. The last time anything happened bad to me was so many years ago, I just... It, I didn't even need this sermon today, but thanks. Or you may have come here today with a heavy, heavy weight. And I don't want to pretend today that the feelings will just go away. But at some point, we need to let go of that rope and trust God with that person and trust Him with our heart. Will you stand? I'd love to pray for us. God, I just, I just want to ask you to help us navigate this, this thing called life, God. It's, it's challenges. It's uh, places of disappointment, God, the place where we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we've been harmed, that we've been wronged, that we've been betrayed, we've been lied to. And God, I, I just want to ask you to help us recognize that in those moments we are not powerless and that mercy is not a weakness, God, but that we are powerful because of your life, because you've already forgiven us, God, and because of you we can have the power of forgiveness and experience your freedom in our life, Lord. God, we need you. We need you today. We need you tomorrow, God. Help us to trust you. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray.